Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Kia ora and welcome to the Aotearoa Rugby Pod. Big weekend of rugby heading into the last week of pool play in the World Cup. The coaches, they're talking up. Eddie Jones, he's angry about buys in the state of the game. Ian Foster's angry about the way that teams are playing. They should all just play attacking rugby. Rassi Erasmus is like, Fuzzy, look how many tribes have scored. Plenty to talk about there. The All Blacks versus Italy, a statement game. Well, what was the statement? The Aussies now have to wait a week to see if they're going to make the quarterfinals, which is incredibly cruel. Plus, we've got big games in pool play to decide who goes where. We've got Ireland, Scotland, Fiji, Portugal, England, Samoa, Japan, Argentina. Lots to look at in this coming weekend. So it's going to be a fun show. Jibber? <laughs> it's been a big weekend for you. Can we get the Broncos out of the way to start with? A little bit of NRL. Oh, I don't want to talk. You had it in the bag. Oh. I was crowing. I, was, I text too early. I think I was the problem. I was terrible yeah. run. And it just, Nathan Cleary will go down now as one of the great players, the yeah. great half. We're talking in the Joey Johns sort of Alfie Langer. That was a clinic, that yeah. last 20. It was. Uh, for those of you who aren't in the know, the Panthers won the NRL in Australia again. They had to come back from like 20 points down in the last 20 minutes against the Broncos. It was looking pretty sweet. 24 8. And it was yeah, a great finish from one of the great players, Nathan Cleary. We've got that out of the way. Yeah, yeah. We can move on. We can move on. Actually, there is a question about why you support them. Yeah, well, I support them because they were around before the Warriors. Yeah. So it, my dad supported them, so I supported family them. Family legacy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Joining us all the way from Japan, Bryn Hall, good to have you, Bryn, again. <laughs> Look at that smile on his face. Just acknowledging the tough times that Chip is going through. Oh, I, I hate to see. I watched that. And I thought I was going to actually send him a message pretty early on saying that um, they got the job done. But yeah, Nathan Cleary, man, he'd be the next immortal, wouldn't he, Chip? He um, single handedly took it from you guys. And you could see the fans even as well. That last try. Let's talk rugby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm broken. <laughs> we could get on with the rugby <laughs> right about now. So, plenty of banter from the coaches about the state of the game this week and in the last couple of days. Really interesting. <clears throat> Admittedly, mostly talk from the Southern Hemisphere narrative, not so much the Northern Hemisphere narrative because it's a bit more of a struggle down here, especially in New Zealand and Australia, than it has been up there. But let's start with booing because I know there's a lot of places, Ireland, for instance, is a place where you just go quiet and you don't boo. Dan Biggers complained, Eddie Jones has complained about the amount of booing going on in the stadiums. Do you care about booing? Um, no, not really. I suppose, I'm thinking from a player's point of view, Bryn, like, you're so in the zone. Like, I'm surprised they, you know, like, you, you hear it, but you don't really ignore There's so much going on. I'm surprised, especially Bigger, that he, he's worried about it. Bryn, for me, it just shows that people are passionate. Isn't that what we want? Yeah, it is, and I think um, yeah. To come back to what what Jib said, I think when you're in the, when you're in the moment, you actually don't hear any of the booing. Maybe if it's an isolated situation where there's a big try scored, you're hearing the rules and the eruptions. 
Um, but other than that, you know, I hardly ever really notice it. So I think the only bad thing, I think, um, not just the Boeing, but the lasers. I know there's been a bit of lasers that were back in the past. And that's probably the only thing that you can really um, take you off your game when you're kicking and you're seeing a laser go into your eye. But seeing the Boeing, it's passionate, but it's been around for a long time. It's not the first time that Boeing's been talked about. So, yeah, no problem with my head. The only lasers we're seeing are from the Springboks coaches um, going up. But... That leads us to what he said next. Eddie Jones was talking about the booing and then he felt that the booing was most likely caused by the fact that fans are frustrated. They're frustrated with the amount of interjections coming from TMOs, assistant referees, the amount of stop-start stuff that's going on, the amount of time we spent not watching rugby during the 80 minutes of rugby. Now, is he on the money? Do you think that that's the way the fans are thinking right now? They're just unhappy with the state of the game? He's clutching. Like, I haven't heard a negative report about, like, the experience at the World Cup. If anything, it's, it's I suppose, re-engaging the fans and, and, you know, everyone's saying how amazing, you know, watching the World Cup um, in France and the spectacle that it is and, and how, you know, there's sort of parties afterwards, before. So, um, yeah, I, I'd... I haven't felt that way, mm. personally. Um, I've enjoyed games when, a, you know, like I really enjoyed the All Blacks game. It was just ruthless and, you know, fast-paced. But, man, I, I love that um, South African Island game. Like, mm. that, that, that was awesome. Playing without the ball is going to probably win this, win this Rugby World Cup. And you look at all the summation of the teams that have been able to have defensive pressure, playing in the right years of the field. You look at England, for example, who I think have a great DNA to try and um, win this Rugby World Cup. So it'd be great to see if that theory is going to be put to the test uh, when the All Blacks play Ireland because um, you know, they could fall into a trap. If they don't get it right, um, you know, Ireland will pounce on them. Playing without the ball is what Ian Foster's talking about as well. So he ended up in his press conference being asked all about the state of the game, the amount of minutes in play. Obviously, they scored a lot of tries in their 96 points. They had 18 minutes of ball on attack in comparison to 15 from Italy, and it was about 15 minutes each for Ireland and South Africa in their games, Chip. So it's interesting. Ian Foster is not happy. He said, said well, I'd rather watch a game like New Zealand-Italy than a game like South Africa-Ireland, to which you know, <laughs> our friend Rassi, who was on Twitter, said, well, really? <laughs> and I kind of agree with Rassi, like... <laughs> I mean, if you're going to look at a spectacle and you're going to look at a competition, there was a contest in that South Africa-Island game. But I think what, what Fozzie is getting at is that he doesn't want to see as much of the defensive pressure. He wants to see more offensive skill set in the game that he likes to watch. Yeah, but I suppose that's the challenge from an attacking coach point of view. You've got to create that time and space. Hmm. You know, like that, that's, that's what makes... Um, you know, if you use Ireland as an example, like they... They do it pretty well. Like yeah. Sexton runs a hell of a cutter. He gets that, um, you know, that rush D um, thinking and, and that disconnect. And he normally pulls the trigger at the right time to, to break down those seams. So um, I think if you took your, like, obviously, I'm always going to want to watch the All Blacks over any other game. But if I took it away that I didn't support any team and just from a, 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 a rugby point of view, South Africa and Ireland was awesome. Like, yeah. it was unbelievable. Like, it's, um, I, it was the best test I've seen in years, let alone, 
you know, like I would definitely want to watch a contest like that versus someone nearly scoring 100 points. Ian Foster's probably not quite said what he meant completely well, but you can see the way he coaches the game. And well, he's probably a, he is an attack coach. Well, well and, but that's probably the problem, <laughs> isn't it? I think people around the world might say, well, actually, that sounds like the issue here because if you were as dialed into the way that these teams are winning games, you might be winning those games in comparison to, you know, jumping on your high horse and talking about running rugby. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's all part of a tactic for the refs to hear. Yeah. Like, for the yeah, kids yeah, coming yeah, up. Yeah, like, yeah. It, it, I don't think he sits there and he's... It's a strategy, just yeah. like Eddie's comments are a strategy. They're, they're, they're smart operators. They, yeah. they, they try to, you know, win every small, small win and, and what he's trying to do is probably get the refs to put the whistle away and... <laughs> the South Africans have actually really improved in the last 12 months. You know, we talked around, did they have the ability to be able to play with ball in hand? And now you look at them now, like with those stats, backs are scoring tries, their forwards obviously got their set-piece parity and they even have the ability to be able to go through them with their big forward pack. So I definitely think they have improved. And so, um, you know, if anything, it's going to be interesting to see if they want to have that theory with the All Blacks being able to play with the ball in hand. Are they actually able against an Ireland to be able to do that consistently like they did against the Irish, or sorry, against the Italians, where they were very ruthless in that area? So it'd be a good challenge for them when they do play them in that quarterfinal stage. We have to celebrate the All Blacks, though, like, because I've sat on here and pumped Ireland up away around putting out their best side and dominating mm. and just mm. wiping the floor. And, and Italy, everyone was talking them up to win. Like, that was, that was personal. And that's the sort of ruthless edge that, that, you know, that may just give them the confidence now that they can go and execute um, as, as well as that against a, 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 bit, a better side in Ireland. And very Crusader-like, and I don't know if it's Jace Ryan, but that variation around that line-out attack was outstanding. And, you know, Shannon Frizzell was quite a key... His ability in the line-out is quite critical to us being successful at set-piece, I think. Like, we ran at 100%, but... There were so many moving parts and it was similar movements that the picture never really changed but the option changed. Mm. And that's when it's hard defensively, when the, the triggers and everything is exactly the same every time and you think you've got it and then they go change the point of attack. Um, you know, round the back, then Sam Kane comes round the front and sets Colsey up and, um, and then now, They've shown so much that teams will be like, oh, we've got to sort out our um, transition D, we've got to be right around the front and then we can now more. Mm. Because it, it just creates that hesitancy and, and having that um, innovation is, is a big, big gain for them um, and, and was a big reason, I think, where, where they just got their mojo going. Mm. And I don't think we've seen that. It's been pretty, um, you know, sort of, sort of status quo for a while around our line-out attack. It's hard to not think about the fact that the passive defence from Italy played into it and made it more of a training ground move than a then, you know, the kind of freedom that South Africa is unlikely to give you or Ireland's unlikely to give you in and around those set-piece moves. At the same time as well, you've got to be disciplined to be able to do that. You know, you look at um, this Italian side that we talked about before, we probably thought they'd give us a bit more of a, a contest, but in saying that, what they did in front of them, you talk around the set-piece, you know, in their first half, you know, they were 100% and then obviously throughout the game as well. The variation around where you talked around Jip is really important, especially against going to the quarterfinal, semi-final stage. You've got to think about the mall, the transition, the special players that we do have. And so I know you, Jip, as yourself, you love doing a bit of preview. The amount of hours that you have to work collectively, team coaches, to be able to try and stop that, mm. it's going to be really hard. I think also our bench as well came on and really added a bit of an impact. So I thought the whole 23 coming on 
was really important because I think, you know, sometimes you can fall into the trap with such a great performance of that 60 minutes, 50 minutes, you bring it on the bench and you want to be able to try and replicate that formula and play the same way. And I thought they came on and did really, really well. And so, you know, you look at the 80-minute performance, um, there'll be a lot of tick boxes, especially set piece. Our bench coming on and having a massive impact as well, which I think we're going to need in the back end of that um, quarterfinal, semifinal, final stage. So, yeah, they'll, be, they'll, be, they'll enjoy it, but um, I guess they'll know that there's harder tests to come, but they'll get a lot of confidence in nailing all of those areas that they wanted to try and do against the French that they weren't able to. To your point, though, they were passive because of the variation. Mm. They're not passive mm. defenders. The the attack made them passive right. because the, it, they didn't know where they were going and what they're doing. So they weren't, you know, clear. They weren't connecting. They couldn't bring the line speed together because it happened so fast. Mm. So yes, you know, the South Africans and the Irish are going to be better. But if you can have that variation, you get that hesitancy, and you've got guys like Adi Savia running around the back, like, and and I thought Sam Kane showed great skill to hold and draw those two defenders in. Uh, you, you're putting yourself in the contest, and I, and I don't think I think before that game, most people would be predicting Ireland to win. Mm. You know, whereas, you know, everyone will probably still be predicting Ireland to win, but I think they know that um, you know this All Black team is is back. You know, in in the sense that they can really push and and potentially win mm. if, if if they hit their straps like they did on the weekend. The All Blacks got smashed at Twickenham. They've copped it against Ireland. They're going to be focused to a very, very high degree in that quarterfinal, um, in the same way they were against France in 2015, in the same way they were against Ireland in 2019. And when you talk to those players who played in those games, they said that the defeats to those teams in key matches before was the big difference heading into those games. Yeah, and I suppose there's the, the demons of that to a loss down here. Yeah. Is, that was quite um, rattling for the side in terms of the public pressure and you know, especially on the coaches and, and so forth. So um, you know, there's a lot of meaning and there will be there will be extra focus. Um, probably not saying it would be more for another team, but I, there, there's there's pain there. It is personal. Yeah. Similar to like the Italians sort of saying, Oh, we've got a chance, you know, they, they took that personally. Yeah. Um, you know, you talk about um, the All Black forwards want respect. Well, they took a step in a great direction against Italy, but if they want, if, if they want to go on that journey and, and get that, then taking on a very, very, very good Irish pack is, is, is a big opportunity. I also think the Irish as well, they'll take confidence in this, in this World Cup cycle that they've had, the four years that they've had. Like, they haven't, obviously, obviously it's going to be based around winning the Rugby World Cup, and that's what they're going to be based on, but you look at the kind of situations that they've had to be able to win big test matches. They've won Grand Slams. They beat the French. Um, they won a series down under. And so the kind of confidence that within that group they were having um, when they've had pressure on them, which you probably haven't said in the last last World Cup where they were kind of limping into the quarterfinals of, of last year's 2019 World Cup. But I think they could take a lot of confidence of the games that they have won in this World Cup cycle. And I know that the, the All Blacks will be, um, will be that energetic, will be that focused around trying to get that job done. But at the same time, you've got to be able to give Ireland credit in the sense that they have won a lot of test matches and they will have confidence going into that All Black um, quarterfinal if it ends up being like that. So it'll be a good um, encounter if it ends up getting that way. But what I love is like we've sort of praised Ireland a lot for their, you know, from an attacking structure, everyone does their role, there's bodies in motion, it, it, you know, it, it is tough for defence to, to defend. And what I saw on the weekend is um, uh, Aaron Smith's third try, 
you, if, if we can get the vision, mm. um, Geordie Barrett comes from the opposite side to get that ball. Like, the work off the ball from the All Blacks on the weekend was, like, a, a, a level above we've seen this, this season and last. Like, mm. there is a... They, they just... That was the most clinical I've seen them in two or three years. It was... It was and the big players standing up. And Damien McKenzie. Chip, we spoke about Damien McKenzie in his bench role last week. He looked good in that role. It feels like it's a good fit. Yeah, and, and look, we sort of didn't agree that with three of them that it, that it could work, but I think he's just in such good form that he is a game-changer, mm. and he, he's something different um, and, and so unpredictable. So he's hard to preview. Yeah. Um, and he's, he doesn't give a lot of cues away. And I think for a lot of time, he may not know what he's going to do. You know, he is a very visual attacker. So the defence gives him a picture, he'll choose the option rather than he doesn't quite come in with that sort of, you know, fixated, this is what we're going to do, we've got to get to this edge, we've got to, you know, he is off the cuff, which makes him dangerous and clearly something they want to inject in the game. And, and it worked. It worked brilliantly. So, Brent, do you think they'll find a spot for him come quarterfinal time? I think if the last 20 minutes in a game, um, you've got Cam Roy going to Damian McKenzie and it's really close. Having those guys that are able to uh, influence a game through their attacking priorities, um, it'll be pretty pretty pivotal, I think, in the back end of games. So, no, I think they keep Damian McKenzie out of two hours. I don't think there's a lot of change in that 23. Now, it depends if they are going to play them against Uruguay. I'm not too sure. We have talked around. It'll be great to see the same time, the same team get out and play again, have some confidence and some runs on the board before going into that quarterfinal, probably against an Ireland. The only thing is, is we sort of spoke about the 6-2 split. Mm. With him there, it's not possible. You, you'd have to do the five, and, and then you just got to back that the players that are there can, can get the job done over, over the 80. That's the only, that's the only um, you know, sort of decision they've got to make. The value of an extra forward in comparison to a value of an extra back. Now, if you're taking the extra forward, you're talking about an extra loose forward in comparison to McKenzie? Yeah, I, th I think it's just more of that f those sort of fresh bodies. We know that the Irish pack is going... I shouldn't probably jump to the quarter, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah. That's when the decision's going to need to be made. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's going to be a war of attrition up front. Um, and we talk about Damien having a great game. We talk about Cam. We talk about, you know, Geordie, Aaron. I'll, I'll go back to it. the... Men in the low numbers provided the platform. They dominated the collision. They got that front football, which bought these players time. So, Brent, you mentioned before, you know, what their selection should be against Uruguay and whether or not they should play that same team to give them more game time together heading into that quarterfinal clash. Five weeks in a row of the same 23, you know, probably isn't possible because there'll be injuries or whatever, but in a perfect world, how difficult is it to go, OK, we're expecting you to play five weeks in a row? I think it's pretty a, a little bit difficult for this group because we've had a few injuries throughout the throughout the duration of the Rugby World Cup, you know, so you think of Frizzell, it'd be great to see him play again, Kane, um, Barrett, um, and then the other boy, Lomax, those kind of guys that haven't played a lot, you'd like to think that they need to have some more minutes underneath their belt. Um, but at the end of the same time, there might be some guys that have played a lot of test matches that knowing that if you do give them the week off, it refreshes them to be able to then play um, for that quarterfinal stage. But for me personally, I'd love for us to be able to stick with the same 23 or a few change, maybe one or two changes based on maybe a little bit older and experienced that might have their week off, might be better, be better for them. But I think for us, if we can continue to keep this group together for another week, especially um, in game situation, I think it'll be very important for us then going to that quarterfinal stage. And don't assume you've got five. 
that would be a mistake. Mm. You've got two. Yeah. And then if, yeah. You, if you're fortunate enough to get another one, then... You like to play as well, Jip. Even sometimes having that week off, I know it doesn't seem like a lot, but sometimes you lose your rhythm just a little bit, if you, even if you're having that week off. And so for me as a player, I love being able to play more, just the consistently you played, the rhythm that you had. And then when you went out on the field, um, you were just really decisive because you didn't have that week off. So in the past, just from previous experience, having that week off, it actually was a little bit, I felt a little bit underdone when I did come back. So, but obviously that's player preference. Guys might be able to be a little bit older and say, I don't need this week. I can get right mentally and feel real good for that quarterfinal. But yeah, for me personally, I want to be out there, runs on the board and keep playing as much as I can. The Springboks have got a week off. I don't think it really matters to them. No. They're not the kind of team that gets bothered by that. They're quite pragmatic. No, they are. They're, they're, they're very, um, yeah, they just get on with the business. They, yeah. don't, they don't overthink things. They've got so much experience as well. Like they've, they've been there, they've done it. Mm. You know, like it's, it's pretty straightforward. I, I think it's probably a good time um, for them. You know, they've had a pretty big calendar year and, and having it late in the piece is, is, is helpful. Mm. And Bryn, you know what's cruel? The Wallabies have a week off. They have a week off. <laughs> it's just a stay of execution. They're going to take a three-day break, then they're going to train for three days while they wait to find out whether Portugal can beat Fiji, which seems rather unlikely, although Georgia gave Fiji a pretty good run. Well, we spoke about that weight of expectation. The underdog is, is, yeah. is an easy place to be. Not easy, but you know what I mean. No one gives you a chance, yeah. whereas... That weight of expectation just made them, I think, a little gun shy. Mm. And it was a good performance. Yep. Like Georgia was annoyed with their draw, so they they came, they they meant business. But I think it's a nice. They didn't lose, but a nice little wake up for Fiji if they want to be genuine contenders and get to that, get to that, you know, sort of semi final. And, and by the looks, probably face England. Mm. Um, and England. Um, obviously having lost previously before the World Cup, um, that is not going to be easy to repeat. The last couple of rounds has been some interesting results. You know, that know. was an interesting one. And then Japan. you look at Japan versus Samoa, and Japan are in a very good spot now looking <laughs> against Argentina to actually make it through when everyone had just stopped talking about them. Yeah, well, yep. they... they, they don't forget they got a bit of assistance, like discipline was, was mm. poor from um, Samoa and they spent a lot of the, the game without um, a full complement of players. Um, but I do think, you know, Japan were dominating physically for the first time against that pit. You know, mm. Lubaskakni's try was just all out, like, dominance, physical dominance by that pack. So, um, and, and they won the breakdown as well. So, like, like, I think even if there was 15 versus 15 for the majority, they probably still would have won, but it, w it wouldn't have been as easy. And you saw what Samoa are capable of towards mm. the end, but disappointing that they waited so long and, and just were too ill-disciplined. Do you think they can beat Argentina, Bryn? Well, I think they have got, uh, gotten a lot better. You know, I think we talked around the England game. It was their best performance that they had um, in a long time, even leading up to that World Cup. We were, you know, they didn't play very good rugby and then... I think what they did on the weekend really well and what they've done in the past, probably last lot of these test matches, just a lot of mistakes at crucial times. So they did enough in that first year when it was get it to about 25, it was to 25-8. They were able to get their points, whether that be through Matsuda with those penalty goals, being able to build scoreboard pressure and then being able to score points um, when they were available. So, you know, I thought Lamiki, Lamiki was outstanding for um, for Japan. I thought his, his, in, his, his, his ability to be able to play um, was great for them the attacking prowess that he brought um and then i think hamino as well i mean he was just it was a good reminder i think 
of how good he is and the ability of the turnover balls and especially in that physicality breakdown jump you know they were pretty dominant yeah dominant oh. more dominant than the southern Northern. so they tackled themselves i think 100 tackles in that first half and they only had maybe like eight or nine misses you know so defensively they really showed up so whether they could do that against the argentinian team i'm not too sure because you know we know it's gonna be a physical game and so the challenges for them is to be able to replicate the ability of taking the opportunities whether that's through three points or scoring tries and then physically at the breakdown, making good tackles and good decisions and sign down that ball. Well, I consider them much more in the contest than I did a week ago. Like that was that that was the performance Japan probably needed to believe, similar to the All Blacks over Italy. Mm-hmm. Um, but Argentina, their their Achilles heel is always their discipline. Like if they don't give teams opportunity, they are quite hard to break down. But they've just got to make sure they do it, you know, legally. Mm. It's funny how as much as things change, they remain the same. Like. We look at this Pool D and England's up the front. Yeah. It's Argentina and Japan competing for second place. For at the start of the tournament, there was a lot of chat about Samoa. And the same for Tonga in, in Pool B. You know, While no one thought that they were going to get through, people were expecting more. Mm. You know, Obviously, when you look at the Pacific Island nations, they've been given opportunities and that they're allowed these players back now. But more time needs to be in the saddle. Um, well, it, we sort of spoke about it, and someone actually mentioned it to me, um, they sent me a message on Instagram and said um, they put around our comments saying like you can see it in defensive systems and set piece when you haven't had time together Yes. Um, and you know you can see that in Samoa and Tonga but they also said that's why the Wallabies, they feel like the Wallabies are struggling as well because they just haven't had that time together that you know like they, it was a late decision to go with that young side and they just don't know each other yeah. um, and it's just clunky so uh, it's definitely um, against them, but I'm just Samoa was so strong in that Pacific Nations Cup. I, I just don't know um, where it's gone wrong for them. Uh, um, yeah, it's uh, I, I'm gutted because I obviously picked them to be in the quarterfinal, and you know we, we're mates with a lot of the players that are playing for them. So it would have been it would have been great to see them do well, but it's just not to be. And, and I think it's a big opportunity missed for them, mm. to be honest. Like they were in a good pool, they were they came in with good form, but. I just think this 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 whole World Cup's going to be decided on discipline for some reason. Like it's just, and I mean like card discipline, not just penalties. Yeah. You know, like a, a head clash or a um, you know a shoulder to the head is is going to put a team under pressure in a big moment. That's a good segue for us because we've been inundated with emails this week. Um, too many questions to fit into the show. And I got a couple in around that last couple of talking points that we've had. Please get in touch with us. Send us an email, aotearoarugbypod at sky.co.nz or within the YouTube comments section. We'll do our best to answer everything we can as we go. Simon Hardy sent an email and his question was in around all of these uh, issues with the Pacific Island teams not having time together and not really having the chance to get to the place where they can showcase their true potential. What Simon Hardy says, Bryn, is... There's obviously potential there in the Pacifica teams. Why don't we expand the Rugby Championship to put them in there rather than having the Pacific Nations Cup? Is that something that you see as a real possibility or or even feasible considering where their players play? Yeah, it's a tough one. I think if you look at probably out of all the Pacific Island nations, the one that are are deserving to probably be there and for longevity-wise is probably Fiji. I think with the ability that they have with the Fijian Droa playing in the local competition with Super Rugby Pacific, it helps them a lot to be able to develop those players and being able to, if you're talking around cohesion, they're able to come in alongside with the Northern Hemisphere to then be able to play the Rugby Championship. And I think, you know, Fiji would probably be pretty deserving, I think, of being in that Rugby Championship, knowing that longevity-wise, they could probably be sustainable. Um, now, I'm not too sure about 
um, Tongan Samoa. Obviously, they don't play in the Super Rugby Pacific, and a lot of their players play overseas. And the ability to be able to get them all together is probably a lot harder. So, unless there's structures in place for them to be able to, to do that, um, I'm not too sure if it's if it's possible. But I think Fiji would probably be the one team that I think would be able to be in that rugby championship. Or, you know, if you're looking at the other Pacific nations, there's a possibility of. Um, having a winner-loser kind of relegation zone where you might be put into the rugby championship, but then, yeah, I'm not too sure. I, I think the only way it's possible is uh, uh, the, the global calendar thing to get the release window because so many of them play for the French clubs. The French clubs want their pound of... Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Flesh, they're not just going to release them if, you know, if it's not an agreed window. sort of release window. So until that happens, that there's no, like it's just not, it's not feasible. Yeah. Um, because they're all based um, at the other other parts of the, of the of the world, but I do think Fiji and like a Japan are, are a possibility. Um, and I, and I think I think the game's open to change. Like I think everyone's you know working pretty hard to um, you know reignite that love for the game and 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 why there was such a big following you know previously and and where we as a game probably haven't got it right. You know, over the last few years to get that engagement, especially you know in, in the southern hemisphere, there's merit to more test matches for uh, Manu Samoa and Tonga mm. to play against northern hemisphere sides because a lot of their players are up there. Again, it comes back to the French clubs releasing them. Yeah. So you, you can have games up there, but you've got to get access to the players. Another good question. This one from uh, I think it said Vihan van Zale, uh, obviously from South Africa. The only questions that matter. Uh, which team has the highest ceiling and which team will be capable of playing to that ceiling come the final? Now, this is the thing that got Jeff Wilson in trouble a couple of weeks ago, talking about ceilings for teams. Go on, Joe. So, <laughs> which team do you think has the highest what, so ceiling? So what does it mean, like the most potential? Like... Yeah, at their very best, which team can be better than everybody else? If everyone was playing at their best. Man, I should have read that question before I came. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I think Ireland. I think South I think Africa. 
I just think South well, Africa have got the ability to play, like Ireland play their way. Yeah. Whereas South Africa can do, do it in, I'm thinking out loud here. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm not making a lot of um, sense, but <laughs> yeah. I just think that innovative, innovative um, the way they just do random stuff, but I don't think it's that random for them. Yeah. You know, like they, they change things up. So when I think of a ceiling, if, you, if you're changing things up, you're, you're, you're prepared to learn. <laughs> Jeez, I'm really doing this out loud. <laughs> and that's what improves your ceiling because yeah. that's how you get that growth is because you tried something else. Yes. And South Africa do that week in, week out. So you'd have to think from a logical point of view, you're saying that you don't know where their ceiling is because they continue to find a new level. And, and they'll learn and they're, they're prepared to do different stuff regularly. Yeah. And that's where their growth, like they've got the most growth, I believe, in that sense. Whereas if you look at every other team, maybe France too, a little bit, they can be a little bit, um, you know, choppy and changing in terms of their game plan. But I think South Africa are the most, you know, obvious ones. And whereas, like, and don't take this like Ireland's bad. <laughs> Like, Ireland's great, but they play it... Like, I've just complimented the Crusaders who've won every title known to man. <laughs> it's not a bad thing, but they just play their way. Yeah. And they don't, they don't go outside that. Yes. They don't need to. So, in well, terms of the question, right. ceiling, South Africa. Well, on that, then, if we're going to go with that, then you'd have to think the All Blacks have made massive gains in the last 12 months, then, Jip. Around how they've evolved parts of their game. Now, I guess the question for them is... As, you know, I've talked about when it comes to France when they played that French game, the ability for them to stay on and being able to get that mindset like the Irish do. But where the question is, if we're all on flying cylinders, if we all play to our potential, then I think what the All Blacks can do and what they have the potential to do ceiling wise, they'd have to be right up there with the improvements that they've had post that that Irish tour. But Bryn, your first gut was Ireland. If everything's firing and everybody's played at their potential, with the kind of things I talked around with Ireland, with how disciplined they are and situationally very very good and have had confidence in previous this world cup cycle um against big teams and getting results grand slams when we get the french and a, a new zealand series win you know so but isn't that just the best team how would that if you if we because like, I, I i i get what you're saying around that the ceiling who's who's shown the most growth you'd have to think south africa 12 months ago they were playing the footy that they are right now and then i think to a certain extent new zealand has as well the all blacks have our kicking game, we've got it all right. We've won our breakdown area. We've had the variation in our game, especially around our set piece, and then also around our, our face play attack. It's been a lot better. So you've talked around the ceiling and us being improving. You know, I think we'd be in that conversation as well. This is a good question. Yeah. Do you do you think that's because of the new coaches, though? The new coaches that came into the All Blacks that has changed the way we've played because that's their style of coaching, yeah. whereas. South Africa hasn't seen much change, but they, like, who would have done 7-1? Mm. Like, yeah. in what world was that okay? I think, yeah. Like, yeah. It, no, one, no one's prepared to do that. It's Russia's but world. That's what, I mean. that's what I mean. Like, yeah. that, that, that's the sort of stuff that, to me, is pushing your ceiling the most, is doing stuff others aren't doing. Yeah. I suppose if you looked at it as, like, a skyscraper, though, you know, like, and you know when you, you go into like an office block and you swipe the card and it doesn't actually let you go to level 12, you know, because yeah, yeah. you don't have the rights to go to level 12. You've only got the rights to go to level 10. The penthouse is completely off limits to you. Russie owns the penthouse. Uh, well, because <laughs> well, this is the thing. I think that Ireland owns the penthouse. Ireland lives in the penthouse. 
Um, you know, they've got the ability to go down floors if they want to, but they live in the penthouse. Yeah, but now, but is, there, is there a room above the penthouse that South Africa haven't figured out how to, how to get to yet, if you know what I mean? Like, the, South Africa might live on the 10th floor if the penthouse is on the 12th, but there is a 13th floor and South Africa are figuring out how to get there. Whereas Ireland, Ireland live on the 12th floor. They just have to open up the door and walk yeah, up the stairs. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. But Ross, are you, are you saying that Ireland can't go to the 13th level? Well, I'm saying that Ireland don't need to go to the 13th level because they're so regularly on the 12th. The other teams mm -hmm. live on 9 and 10 are trying to get to 11 and then they need to get to 13 to go above Ireland. Do you know, if you know yeah. what I mean. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got you. I've yeah. got you. I think um, that's question of the year. Yeah, it's a cracker. <laughs> yeah. Got me thinking. <laughs> it's an absolute cracker. So thank you very much. It was a seriously good question. Uh, we've got more. We've got more. Now, you touched on it before, discipline. Um, so I'm really, really interested in this particular one on discipline. This one comes from uh, the Macho Man Randy Savage on YouTube. Um, I'm presuming it's not the real Macho Man, but um, we'll see. Um, I believe there should be a card given for clashes with no intent. Hear me out. Orange card. The head clash without intent, where a player is sent off for 15 minutes and that player can't come back on unless they are replaced. But it's, we're bringing more grey into our game. Yeah. And we've got to get rid of the grey. Like, it's just, it's, it, it's, it just will, I think it will cause another negative narrative of, of our game um, in the media. Yeah. Whereas, you know, you want to be creating rules or things um, that, you know, get the game spoken about positively. Mm. Um, and I think everyone knows the rules of engagement yeah. as a player when you go out there and, and you've just, you've got to get it right. And I know there's no intent and it happens a lot and it's tough, especially when it's your side. Yeah. But... I think and that's, we talked around before the World Cup as well around having that 20 minute red card and then being able to bring someone else on. I would that like that solution. to be the red card situation. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I still love that minute red card. It doesn't matter what the intent was. If a guy's lying on the ground with a broken neck, what does it yeah. matter what you were yeah. trying to do? Yeah. They've got to put people in a position where it doesn't happen. It's the same for high balls, with competition under high balls, etc. It doesn't matter. We've got to stop people getting hurt. Yeah, actually, now you've just said that, I do think like maybe it is a bit more motivating that that isn't the 20-minute red card. I can see the argument the other way. Yeah. I still like the 20-minute red card, but knowing that you know, shoot, you're gone for the game. Yeah. It just kills the game. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Bryn, you're an advocate for the 20-minute red card. Oh, I massively am. And especially if it's going to happen early on and the intent, you know, let's just say the intent wasn't wasn't wrong, but it's say that he just got it wrong. Do you know what I mean? And so it's 20 minutes then. If it happens in the first 10 minutes of a game, it's not playing then 14 men for 17 minutes in a quarterfinal or semifinal stage, which... A lot of people will be watching. Um, obviously, your countries will be watching that as well. So I just think a 20-minute um, system, having that bunker is good. But then I think, again, just having 20 minutes and then being able to bring someone else on gives the team, I believe, enough time to try and get points from that and having that, just that advantage of having 14 people on. Um, and then you also, again, the spectacle becomes becomes good and it doesn't take the, it away. The only game I can remember that the team that got the red card has won is that England one. Mm. from Curry at the start of the tournament. Yeah. Outside of that, yeah. every time there's a red card, the team goes on to lose. I actually don't know that for a fact. That's more, <laughs> that's more feeling. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But majority of the time. Yeah. So. 
that what they did that was smart was that they negated the fact that they were down a person by playing ten man rugby for yeah. a bunch of it. Oh, and, just and, and, and taking, taking three points, you're fifty meters out, yeah. and off you go. Speaking of which, the Georgian kicker, gee whiz, that guy can kick goals. Imagine him in the high belt. <laughs> just smoking. Where would it be for, from? Twenty-two. Yeah. You reckon? Oh well, I mean, people have 30, done it. 30, people 30, have done it from seventy meters. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. You had a big range, didn't you, Brenner? What was the furthest kick? Yeah, didn't you? Oh, uh, I don't think so. I think I ended up. I've actually probably lost distance in my years now. I think the biggest kick I ever got was maybe fifty-five. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, that was a bit of a tailwind. maybe. A bit of a tailwind. Maybe fifty. But not, oh, that's mate, a big not kick. Now. <laughs> uh, not now, mate. I think I'm. I'm Barely get about 45, 47 at the moment. So, what about in Japan? You and Shooter used to always kick it. Uh, oh, Sean Stevenson, yeah. sorry, nicknames. Um, you and Sean Stevenson used to um, kick at Captain's Run, and Sean would get like 65 metres some days at Harbour. Right. It was w- with a breeze, but pff, big kick. He can smoke it. Man, he can kick it. Mm. Yeah. yeah, he could. I think at the best he got, maybe it was a big tailwind. Probably pumping him up here. It might be like, see, a 65. It was 65, 70 metres, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, downwind, but still to get that, man. He's got a cannon, absolute cannon. And it just makes you wonder, like, certainly with the All Blacks, you've got Geordie Barrett there who can smoke them from a long way out. Should there be more of a focus when you get to a quarterfinal rather than kicking it to the corner, taking the line out, whatever it might be, on just letting Geordie Barrett unleash on his range and picking up the three points? But if you don't... What's the unintended consequence? Yeah. You know, like, that's what I like. I, I like the way Ireland play in terms of kicking to the corner early. Yeah. I just think it's, it's, it pays dividend in the end. And if you get some points with it, beauty, but if you don't, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. Because you're down that part of the field, the pressure's on them to try and get an exit. You can put, you know, they're really good in the effort areas. I'm not trying to overdo Ireland just to get <laughs> called out, but yeah, you get my point. No, I do. And with Dan Sheehan back, I'm imagining that the Ireland line-out's going to be far more effective, you know, going into those areas like they did against South Africa and they lost them. Yeah. They're most likely to be close to scoring a try. South Africa defended so well line-out time, though. There, there wouldn't be a line-out in world rugby that wouldn't have struggled that day. Yeah. They had the Twin Towers, and she's, as a hooker, that's, that's a hard, hard one to... <laughs> To get over. To decipher. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so another question, this one from Shane Allison via email. This is looking forward to the probable Ireland All Blacks quarterfinal, you know, depending on what happens against Scotland this weekend. If we, being New Zealand, want to beat Ireland in the quarterfinal, we really are going to need to play a power game from the backs that will suck in defenders and provide the ABs with good front foot ball. Both Talia and Leicester will give us the ability of a power game from the back. What are your thoughts? He's saying drop Will Jordan. That, that seems like... 16 that. carries on the weekend, Will Jordan. Are you allowed to say that out loud? Are you allowed to say you're, you want to drop Will Jordan out loud? I don't think that's ever been said in the history of... Man. Well, not in front of Bryn, that's no. for sure. <laughs> Bryn, I'll think, leave that to you, me old mate. Yeah. I think I'm going to go probably... I think I touched on it a little bit earlier. I think for the All Blacks to beat an Ireland, and it's probably when we do play, both teams play each other, it's the, because teams are so good defensively, it's been able to to go through them. And Jib's talked around a lot around our forward pack. And if we can if we can win our breakdown area and we can have a get quick ball, then it opens up for the likes of a Leicester, Mark, Will, 
or whoever is on that outside channel. But if we don't win that physicality battle and we're getting slow ball, it's going to sit right into Ireland and then we're going to be playing on the back foot, whether that be through turnovers and then been able to build a scoreboard pressure with threes with Sexton or go to the corner like Jip said with Sexton. I think for us to beat Ireland, we're going to have to be pretty good for, the I believe, the whole 80 minutes and then around that breakdown area and be able to nail your role. Ball carrier, cleaner, timing, winning race, and being able to do that so for sometimes 15, 16, 17 phases to not only get a try, but to maybe get a penalty and wear down um, their their ability to be to be their fitness. You wouldn't drop Will Jordan, would you? No, no. And and as a forward, and as you know, forwards pride themselves on doing their job um, to allow guys to flourish. If you're picking power wingers to get you that dominance, you're predicting that your pack's going to lose that battle, mm. which would be a strange way to select a side. Yeah. In my opinion. In saying that, yeah. I definitely think they could both. Yeah. Start. We've had that discussion last week about you know, does Will go to fullback? Yeah. Um, especially the way Leicester played, but it's just, I mean, it's not a development team, it's a hard team to make. Well, especially offset piece though, you know, having a power winger, and we've seen it with Jonah and Julian Savier and you know, Jose Gere and a, a, a bunch of wingers for the All Blacks over the years. From line-out and from scrum, having a power winger can be your ability to attack and be successfully attacking from first-phase play. Yeah, and also like a player like Leicester, what he does is, even if he doesn't get the ball, if he runs into that channel, he is going to hold defenders, which creates space elsewhere. But like, it's just a hard team to make. Mm. It's the All Blacks. It's you know, like it's he he's done everything he can do. Yeah. It's just Mark Talia. Like, if you look at the weekend, like Mark's just he's incredible. Yeah. Like the way he gets out the other side of tackles and holds his feet and keeps going. Like it's it's just. And, the, and they've committed to the Richie Bodie, so there's just no space. No. Well, that, that would make it Damien McKenzie versus Leicester Whangaanuku, right? And, and then having to put uh, Bodie up to 10 if... Or you, you back lose. him that he can play centre. Or you back him that he can play centre, but then you don't have cover for 12. I don't think so. Probably don't want to go into a quarter-final, semi-final stage. No disrespect to Leicester, him covering 13. Yeah, 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 I know, no, but I'm, I'm just saying, like, it's the only way yeah. of yeah. finding room for him. Yeah, so if you're weighing up Leicester Whangaanuku versus Damien McKenzie, you're going Damien McKenzie? I am now, but I didn't say that last week. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going off the back of his performance yeah. and, and it working. Yeah. But, it, but yeah, I was all I was on the Leicester train last week. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, coming through. Um, well, actually, then I jumped on the Harvelli. I was all over the yeah. place last week. <laughs> yeah, you're allowed to change your mind. Yeah, I'm stubborn, though. I don't like changing my mind. <laughs> You did say, remember when we talked around the impact of, you know, Damian McKenzie coming on the last 20 minutes, then a winger coming on. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I did too. I think nice, Bryn. Thanks. Yeah, it's that himself, like, man, you bring him on the field, he's great in and around, you know, picking through rucks, his work right off the ball, ball carries. But I just think um, with that split, you can, you know, Damian McKenzie brings a lot when being able to try and um, influence the game in that part of the, part of the game, especially with Cam Rigar coming on with him as well. Right. Okay. I think over three weeks we might have got to the bottom of that. We'll see. We'll see. Damien McKenzie right now. Damien. Reserve the right to change next but, week. But we'll put our hand up when we, you know, jump on that wrong bandwagon <laughs> and then we'll jump over to the new bandwagon. Yeah, that's right. We, you know, try and to be as knee-jerk as we can yeah. week on week on week. Consistently knee-jerk. Yeah. I'll, I'll come next week and I'll we'll probably yeah. think, you know, the, the ceiling's even higher okay. for us. Yeah. Guys. <laughs> 
Yeah, we want to get up to that penthouse. You know, that's where the Above break, it. that's where the breakdown is. Yeah. You know, consistently. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we just need to jump up there. Come on, guys. Yeah. Get in behind us. Yeah, we're coming. We've got some games to predict this weekend. Let's finish off with that. There's a number of games coming up. Let, let's start with the first one. Friday morning, New Zealand time. New Zealand versus Uruguay. I'm not going to ask who's going to win. Yeah. I'm going to ask you, what is a victory for New Zealand in this game outside of the scoreboard? I think a, a, a replica of what we saw against Italy. Just that ruthless intent to execute their stuff and not really worry about the opposition. And I think that's the mindset they've got to take for the rest because they can't control the islands, the South Africans. What they can control is themselves and their role within their systems and just sticking to it. Brent? Uh, it's copy and paste from the old mate. So exactly the same. Yeah, one probably see a, a similar scoreline of um, what they play against Italians. Right, speaking of Italy, France versus Italy. Uh, from what you saw on the weekend, I'm presuming you don't think that Italy has a chance of upsetting France? No, but they'll bounce back. I don't think it'll be... They, they won't be happy with that. They'll bounce back and, again, um, interested in the DuPont situation mm. um, for France. But I, I think they'll go with their A team. So yeah. it, they'll, they'll win comfortably, but probably not to that margin. Yeah. Uh, they did get a 24-29 loss to France in the Six Nations, Bryn. They There is history there of them playing well against France, but it's hard to imagine that they would be able to repeat that considering, you know... That was in Italy as well, though. all it? sorts. It was in Italy, yeah. yeah. It's a big difference playing France yeah. at France. Uh, no, I don't think so. I think it, it will be interesting, though, to see um, how France do play without DuPont and if their style does change, because um, we've talked around all how um, influential he is for that team and how they base it around him. I will be interested to see how they do play. You know, if they don't get a deposit in the quarterfinal um, stage, how they if their game does change or they try and keep it the same. Well, do we know where that's striking? Depont, because he a chance to play this weekend? Yeah, it makes it sound like he's a chance to play yeah. in the quarterfinal. God, the quarter. Well, I mean, it's hard to know because I don't speak French, yeah, but the, yeah, yeah. the English translations that I've read have been looks like he's going to be all right, put on some sort of Rip Hamilton from the NBA mask, protect your face. But apparently there's a, there's a thickness to the mask that you're not allowed to be above three millimetres thick or something along those lines. So there's a few rules in around, you know, you can't just turn up in an iron mask, you know, like... Fine. He broke his jaw, right? It was his jaw, right? Uh, cheekbone. Cheekbone. A spiral fracture. Oh, cheekbone. Yeah. Oh, spiral fracture. Wow, OK, jeez. Still going to hurt. Oh. Yeah, I think there's a plate in there. Oh. But, yeah, certainly uh, they believe that he's likely to play. So, cool. That'll be fun to watch. It'll be interesting. Great, great. Wales versus Georgia. Now, last week we talked about Wales and, you know, they've just kind of been the quieter achievers in one of the weaker pools, just going about their business and making their way towards the quarterfinal. Georgia, do they have a chance of at least pushing Wales, considering what you saw against Fiji? Yes. Yeah. I think so. I don't know why I'm so hard on Wales. Um, I just need I, I need to see a performance like they had against Australia to, to buy right into the hype. Yeah. But Wales will win. Wales will win. But yeah. Georgia might be motivated after pushing Fiji. Yeah. Yeah, I think Wales continues their, um, their winning streak. But I think, yeah, Georgia are a good team, man. Like, you know, if they don't get it right, it could be an ugly, you know, ugly win. But I think, you know, the good thing about the Welsh at the moment, they've got confidence. Um, they're top of their pool, and you'd like to think that this game is then going to springboard them for what, obviously, Warren Gatlin and that group wants in that quarterfinal and you know, semi-final stage. So, a Welsh win. Cool. Bryn, England v Samoa. 
Uh, do you see anything changing? England's form will, should get them through this? Yeah, I think just some have been too disappointing. I think the the turnover rate has been has been pretty tough for them. You know, look on the weekend they had a lot of uh, unforced errors, and so you'd have to think that's something that they can't clean up. And we talked around the clunkiness and around the Samoans. I think it might be just stripping it right back, making it really a really simple game plan, making it very clear, and then you can go out and be real decisive. And your job's a lot easier to be able to be um, played more freely and decisive. So. Um, but even even with that, if that does happen, I think the English, they suffocate them and they continue their DNA, which I think has been spoken them pretty well. Scoreboard pressure, um, effort areas around their defence and contestable game um, will be a bit too much for Samoa. Yeah, I think England's kicking game, like Samoa have got nothing to lose, so they will chance their arm probably from deep. So it's a good opportunity. It suits England to kick long, get a good chase line and, and say, have a crack. Yeah. And if you make mistakes down here, we'll pounce. And if you don't, well, you know, we'll we'll work our way back into the game somehow. So I think I think it just suits England. Cool. Now we've already talked about this game at length. Um, Ireland versus Scotland. You're picking Ireland. Go Ireland, yeah. Yeah, Bryn, Ireland as well. You don't see an upset there. No, I don't see an upset. But we've even talked a lot about Scotland, but they are man. They they do play good footy, you know. So. Mate, we've it just, could be a tight first up. We've just defended ourselves around a, how, how much we love Ireland. We, we've got to get right on this island bandwagon. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I'm, I'm with them. I'm with them winning. Um, but, you know, the Scottish, I think, first half, they play re- a lot of their footy and they play really well. So I expect Ireland to take over the top, their last, the second half. But I think the first half will be pretty a fast-flowing game, I think. Yeah, ball and play a lot. It's going to be an awesome battle with the outsides. Yeah, like Scotland have got some good outsides, but you know we obviously big fans of James Lowe, mm. um, and and his point of difference around those wide breakdowns. Yeah. It's, um and they both like to play, so yeah, it could, it could be a very entertaining game. It is. I mean, they've got great wings, Scotland. Darcy Graham, Stain, yeah. Under Merver. They, Under Merver. Yeah, yeah, good midfield, but. Do they have the keys to the penthouse? No. They don't have the keys to the penthouse. <laughs> they're, on, they're on, what floor would they be on? Nine. Yeah, yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're not going to the penthouse. Uh, Japan, Argentina. Japan? Uh, nah, I'm going Argy. Argy? I'll go Japan. You'll go Japan, yes. Why? What I saw on the weekends, um, and I think even the English game, They've shown what well, I mean, we didn't think it was going to happen. They hadn't shown any form of improvement before going to that World Cup, but they've gotten a lot better in around a lot of those areas. Breakdown area, um, I thought the kicking game as well with um, with their kicks, kicking game was a lot better. And I think Matsuda as well, game the scoreboard pressure, he can get his penalties from fifty out. So um, whether they can replicate that, I'm not too sure. But you know, I think I've seen enough of their wild touch pad. I think they're a good chance against Argentina just because of their discipline issues. Argentina have had a few discipline issues in the past, so. Which is at Wednesday. Cool, so Bryn. Uh, Tong is getting its first W against Romania. Yeah, yes, they are. Yep, they are. They've been on the tough side of the tough side of the draw, and um, yeah, it'd be great to see them get a get a result for their fans and um, to go away happy. So yeah, I'll go Tonga for the first one for the World Cup this year. Tonga, Fiji, Fiji versus Portugal. Yeah, you're taking that. Yep, excellent. Fiji for you as well. Yep, Fiji. But big credit to Portugal. Like, they've been one of the exciting teams that play cool, great wow. rugby, yeah. good fun. Well, that draw is a big result. Like, Georgia are a good side. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, it's yeah. A, it's a fantastic result. They're probably the biggest mover and shaker, I think, as far as those teams are concerned. Like, they've been pretty impressive. Yeah, no, and, you know, 
probably warrant a bit more respect. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Well, they've earned more respect. They've earned more respect. Yeah. And, you know, they'll get a chance. They'll get a chance to earn some more in the years to come. Well, thank you very much for tuning in once again to the Aotearoa Rugby Pod. We've, I think we got to the bottom of what's going to happen this week. Um, Jibber, thanks yep. again. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for the questions. Enjoyed them today. Yeah, there were some crackers. There were some absolute crackers. So keep coming back to us. Uh, send us an email, aotearoarugbypod at sky.co.nz or comment in the YouTube comment section. We'll get there and uh, we'll get through as many of them as we can. If not, we'll try to get to them in future weeks if we can. Bryn, thanks once again. You're flying off to beautiful Hawaii. It's going to be a tough week for you. Yeah, it is, mate. We're looking forward to it. So we're off there for eight days. We've got a two-week break. So getting to Hawaii and... Enjoyed a bit of um, bit of bit of time with uh, my partner, so should be good. It's been an all-time year for Bryn. Europe, Hawaii, Jeez, it's the life. Yeah, it's the life. You make your own luck, I, don't you, Bryn? I'll, I'll tell you what, lads. It's been a it's been a hell of a six weeks though. We've had three injured halfbacks, so <laughs> I've been out there been out there earning it this for this um this campaign. So now looking forward to it. Should awesome, be a good mate. break. Well, enjoy. Put your feet up. Put your feet up. And thank you very much for tuning in once again to the Aotearoa Rugby Pod. Make sure you catch us on Sky, on Rugby Pass. You can tune in as an audio podcast as well on any of the podcast platforms. Thanks again for joining us. Flick us an email. Get in touch. We'll try to engage with you as much as we possibly can. Enjoy your weekend's footy. Matewa.